Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Abetic Podcast. My name is Kate and I'm your host. And this week I am talking with Mary. We are talking all about women's health and it's more so about our personal experiences with UTIs, yeast infections, periods, um, birth control, and how that all plays into um, affecting our blood sugar, essentially. So we're not talking about um, all the specifics of um, maybe like what a gynecologist or a doctor would talk about, but um, it's still some great information. And um, I do encourage you to talk to your doctor if you're thinking about making any changes. Obviously, um, this is not medical advice or anything like that. And your experience with birth control, um, yeast infections, anything related to women's health might be completely different than ours. And um, I think that for everyone, it's just something that they kind of have to figure out and look at patterns and trends as I've talked about before. So it's a great conversation nonetheless. And I am happy to be back this week. Um, Last week, I did take a little bit of a break and I didn't do any podcast recording or anything like that. I am working on a website just to have one place for all my podcast episodes. And then um, I really want to get these um, the transcriptions for them as well and kind of turn those into blogs and then just also have a place for my artwork. So I'm excited about that. I've been working on that and Um, It kind of worked out well, too. We're talking about women's health, and on my period week, I feel like I have no energy, and I think most women feel this way, of just feeling kind of drained and like you need to rest and all that, and so it was a perfect week to just be working on some website stuff and not much else other than that. So that's that. My blood sugars have been pretty good lately. Um, Yeah, I'd say they've been stable, even though I've been doing so much this summer just with like traveling on the weekends and I went to a wedding last weekend and just lots of things going on which has been super fun so it's been good right now and um I'll have even more uh podcast episodes coming out after this and I've scheduled uh quite a few this week Um, recording with people and talking about some great topics related to related to diabetes. So I'm super excited about it and I hope you enjoy this episode. Please welcome Mary. Hi Mary, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, So obviously today we're going to be talking about women's health and this is because I saw your Instagram post and just like how you've talked about it very openly about your experiences with just being a woman and like all the hormone changes and all that and how that affects blood sugar. But before that, um, I would love to just hear like your story with type 1 diabetes and just a little bit more about you. Yeah. So my story with diabetes is kind of short. Um, I haven't been diabetic for too long. I was diagnosed two and a half years ago. I was 21 and it was senior year of college. And, um, so I, that whole fall semester of senior year, I had all my symptoms and I had no idea what was going on. It was the most stressful semester of my college program. And so I was just contributing everything to stress. I'm like, Oh, I'm just losing 30 pounds. Cause I'm 
so stressed. (laughs) Um, so then cue winter break. And finally I was like, okay, I'm no longer stressed because I'm on break and I still have all this stuff going on. So I went to my doctor and luckily my family doctor, he knows all our family medical history. And so we ran some tests and then he was like, oh, surprise, your blood sugar's 430 something. You're your type one diabetic. I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's different. I was not expecting that. You know, I tried Googling everything and diagnosed myself with so many things on WebMD, but not type one. So that was a bit of a shocker. Um, but I am currently 24 and living in Virginia. I'm a third grade teacher. So getting ready to go back to school now. Yeah. gosh, Stressful, especially with COVID and trying to figure out how all those protocols are going to work this year. Yeah. I can get in there. Yeah. I mean, especially being type one diabetic, like having an autoimmune thing and then also having to worry about that at work too. I can imagine that's stressful. Yeah. It's been quite the experience, but get in there. Good. So when you were diagnosed your senior year of college, do you think like, was there something going on in your life where it was like something stressful or like, did you get sick or anything like that? And do you think that kind of like contributed to the diagnosis? Um, well, so growing up, I was sick pretty often. Um, I, probably had strep every single year, every fall. Or I would just always be sick. I got the flu a bunch of times, bronchitis, all that. Um, and then when I went to college, I remember every fall semester getting back on campus, I would always get a horrible sinus infection that would just spread. And all of a sudden it'd be double pink eye and then it'd be a double ear infection. And I would just be knocked off my feet every single fall when I got back to college. Um, So that could have contributed. And then, like I said, that semester was the most stressful in the education program at my school. It's got a horrible reputation for just being a nightmare. Um, So definitely a lot of stress. I I don't know. It's probably a, and I have autoimmune history in my family too. So I think just all snowballed. Yeah, I'm sure. Just like a lot of different contributing factors, I'm sure. Because I hear that a lot that like, someone had something like big happen in their life or they did get like some sickness that they hadn't had before. And then that can like trigger the autoimmune response of getting type one diabetes. But I've heard that, especially now with COVID, I've heard more people are getting Mm -hmm. diagnosed post COVID, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And scary too. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. But to switch gears and talk about women's health, um, can you just talk a little bit about like your experience with um, UTIs, yeast infections, antibiotics, and how that's affected your blood sugars and what you've learned about that? Yeah. So my history with yeast infections um, started before my diabetes. Back when I was in high school, I had really chronic acne and saw a dermatologist. And so I was on really strong antibiotics for a couple of years, honestly. And so that definitely played a part and I struggled with yeast infections because of those antibiotics I was on. Um, and then when I got off of them, it kind of cleared up for a while. And then that year, I'd say the year leading up to my diabetes diagnosis, all of a sudden I started struggling with yeast infections again, and I wasn't on any antibiotics. And so I remember my first 
symptom of diabetes. I noticed it because I went to the doctor for a yeast infection because I had a really bad one. So I went to our campus health clinic and they weighed me and they, you know, just standard appointment. And they sent me away with some medication to try to fix it. And then a week or two later, it was still so horrible. Nothing had gotten better. And so I went to an off-campus, like separate gynecologist office in town. And I remember the doctor there was like, okay, step on the scale. Do you have an idea how much you weigh? Cause it was the one where they have the little weights that they move back and forth. So I was like, oh yeah. And so I told her the weight that I was two weeks ago when I went to the campus clinic. And so she moved the little weights over. And I remember watching the whole thing just completely shift to the side. And she was like, oh no, you weigh way less than that. And I was like, oh, I've lost 15 pounds in the last two weeks. And so that was the really, the first time something clicked in my head that there was more going on in my body than I realized. But even after that, it still was another month until I was diagnosed. Um, And I remember that yeast infection was so bad. I used a monostat and the next morning I woke up and I was in so much pain. I couldn't walk. I couldn't stand. I couldn't sit down. I like the only comfortable position was just laying down. And when I went to this doctor, she said I had chemical burns from it, which scarred me for life. I don't use it anymore because I don't want that to happen again. Cause it was so painful. And she just looked at me and she was like, Oh honey, you are in so much pain. And so it was just Wait, it was from the monostat. Yes. Um, is that like a common side effect of that? I don't know. I've never heard of it happening. Um, and I've never had that problem before that. So I don't know what the deal was, but all of a sudden that day, it was just awful. And so I've been too scared to try it again. Cause I'm like, I don't want to repeat of that, mm-hmm. but that was just, that whole experience was so painful and horrible and kind of embarrassing too. I remember I had to call out of my classes and as education. So I had classroom placements I was supposed to report to. And I had to tell my professors, like, I'm sorry, like I've got all this stuff going on. I can't go. And it was really embarrassing, but they were luckily really sweet and supportive. And they're like, it's okay. Go take care of what you need to take care of. We'll figure out a way to get through this. And so after that semester, when I told them I was diagnosed with diabetes, they were like, I can't believe you made it through that semester with uncontrolled undiagnosed diabetes. Like if you can do that, you can get through anything when it comes to teaching, but yeah. yeah, So that was hard. Um, after I was diagnosed, the yeast infections got better, my blood sugar coming back down, but I still have them come up again. Like every couple of months I get another one and it's frustrating. Um, my gynecologist though was really sweet and we've tried a couple different things. I found that boric acid suppositories help a lot. It's like this little pill that you insert into your vagina before you go to bed and it helps treat it and like kind of clear things out. And so that's been my lifesaver. Yeah. I've never heard of that before. Is that like something that you have to get a prescription for, or can you just get that? No, you can pick it up on the shelves and like just like the aisle with all tampons and other feminine health products. They're just right on there. It's kind of near all the monostat and everything too. And so, it, and you can order them on Amazon. I've done that before. 
And I have a friend who struggles with UTIs and BV. And she said they've helped her with those too. So it's kind of like a cure-all. I don't know. It's, it's my go-to. Yeah. I've, I've honestly never tried that before, but next time I definitely will, because I have struggled with these infections like here and there, but not anything horrible, but um, I was like researching a little bit too, because every time that I got on antibiotics, I always got a yeast infection and I never, I didn't have to get on antibiotics that often, but like whenever I did, it always raised my blood sugar so much. And it was just like, it seemed horrible because you're sick too. So you feel yeah. happy and then your blood sugars are bad. And then you also are getting yeast infection too. And Um, so I like did research on that, like when that was happening to me a while ago. And then I found out that yeast feeds on sugar, which I think is like kind of a well-known thing, but I didn't like realize that like your blood sugar could affect like a yeast infection or like something in your health in that way. So when your blood sugar is high, you pee all that sugar out and so down there and it's just like the perfect ground for it. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. Like the more that I was looking into that, but is there anything else that you found that like kind of helps prevent them or anything like that? So I definitely take a probiotic every single day and I try to eat a lot of yogurt. Um, cause that helps for me mm-hmm. and really it's just the probiotic and the yogurt and also changing out of like, if I'm at the beach, I was at the beach a lot this summer, but not staying in like a damp bathing suit mm-hmm. all the times, like trying to change when I can. So it's not like this moist, like, yeah, area, you know, like just helps it grow. So trying to be proactive in that sense. Um, what? my, gynecologist did suggest one thing. She said, if it's really bad and I still continue to struggle with them, there's this treatment they can do. And I forget the full name of it, but it's some violet kind of treatment. It's got violet in the name and I can't remember it, but basically it's this substance that they basically paint your insides completely purple. This, and it's like a deep violet color. And it basically does a hard reset on your pH balance and everything. And it's total restart for it. And it's supposed to help and keep things at bay for a while. So I haven't tried it, but it's definitely like on my radar. If this keeps being a future struggle, I think I might look into it a little bit more. Yeah. I have never heard of that before. I'm assuming that's something that you would probably have to get prescribed by a doctor. Yeah. I think they do the procedure there in the office. So it's something you definitely have to talk to your doctors about, but they said, you come in and they'll do everything they have to do for it. And then you leave and you're good to go. It should just kind of work its way out. And then you're all brand new, basically. Wow, That's interesting. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Um, and then what probiotic do you use? Is it, is it a specific one? Um, it's some women's daily care probiotic that I get from Target. Okay. They have one that's for like emotional well-being it's supposed to help with like mood swings and everything sometimes I get that if my blood sugar has been really high mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the mood swings with that but they have one that's more women's health to help with like vaginal health and all that so that's the one I get I can't remember the brand name but it's I don't I just know my shelf and target yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah I've, I've heard of like a lot of different probiotics and what people use but I've never known like which one's work better than others. I know that like 
they have like a refrigerated section I think for probiotics too and yeah. I was like I don't know if those like work better or oh my gosh you just brought back a memory from that <laughs> horrible yeast infection I had right before I was diagnosed because I remember that doctor told me to go to this kind of weird like all natural herbal supplement type pharmacy in town. And it had a huge refrigerated section with like the liquid probiotics that you could drink. And I tried it and it was so horrible and I hated it. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to drink this. And I think I ended up throwing it away. I was like, I can't, it's so like the texture and the consistency. I I couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if the other one works for you, then why would you want to go that route? So Yeah, definitely. So then aside from that, you also talked about on your post, um, like an abnormal pap smear result. Um, what, I mean, you said, I think that you said that you had gotten it and then they said to like, wait a year and then they were going to do it again and see and like compare. Is there anything new on that or? Yeah. So this, it doesn't, I don't think it's related to the diabetes, but it is just something that I think more women have or experience than we talk about. So I went in for a pap and got the call a few days later from the nurse being like, you know, there's this level of normal. And then there's these other levels of abnormal. And you're kind of at this like third step up in the abnormal level, which sounds terrifying. Cause like, what does that mean? I don't know what, like, yeah. what's the range for this abnormal? How far does it go? So it was terrifying, but they said, you know, you're young, you're 24, you haven't had any issues in the past. So let's just wait a year. And when you come in for it next year, if it's normal, then you're good. If it's abnormal again, then we'll do extra tests and see what's going on. And it could still be nothing, but it's still, I was in a panic, <laughs> like going to WebMD. I'm like, Oh, what do I have now? Oh but I talked to some friends about it and they were like, Oh, that happened to me like nine months ago when I had mine and I had to go in for an extra test and then everything came back normal. And then I talked to my sister and she had the same experience, abnormal pap, but then following up with other tests, everything was normal. So that calmed my nerves. But yeah. it is so scary because you don't know, no one talks about it and you don't realize that like that could happen. I thought if I got an abnormal result, like, oh, I probably have cervical cancer and I'm dying. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, so, really scary. And yeah, was, yeah, I wonder if that's like related to diabetes in any way too. It makes me wonder because um, I don't know. I just haven't heard that happening to a lot of women and I don't know if diabetes can affect it in that way. Yeah. I mean, I feel like diabetes affects everything in our body in some way. Like, it's just so hard to tell what is happening, especially just with blood sugar factors and stuff like that. And like, why your blood sugar is high this day and low another day and all of that. It's just, it's so hard to figure out and even to like plan for and like prevent things like yeast infections and stuff like that when you don't know what's going to happen. Oh yeah. And then even just your basic period. It can be totally different every cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And I did want to talk more about periods for sure. The last thing I'll say about yeast infections is what I would do, um, when I got prescribed antibiotics, um, I like, if I had like some kind of infection, whatever, when they, when they told me that they were prescribing me antibiotics, I would ask them if they could prescribe me, um, 
a yeast infection medication with it. And like, I've never had a doctor say no to that. So, and I also liked it because then I would just like have it on hand. Um, the one that they always prescribed me was fluconazole, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah. I think the generic name is like diflucan, but I've had that happen too, where my dermatologist would give me an antibiotic and she'd do, she'd either automatically prescribe the diflucan with it, or would just have a couple refills there Mm -hmm. if I was going to be on it for an extended amount of time. So I could get it if I needed it from the pharmacy, which was really helpful, but I think I've taken it too much at this point. And now my body's a little resistant to it. So it doesn't work as well, unfortunately, but it is nice to have on hand. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Actually. I was like, I don't know like how often that can be taken before you like get kind of a resistance to it or anything like that. But I think there are other pills that they can prescribe. Um, I don't know if like, if I'm resistant to diflucan, if another one would work better, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I haven't had a doctor talk about any other ones. I've just kind of researched it and read about it. And there are, I think a couple other pills, but yeah. I haven't had them. Yeah. Well, I mean, also the boric acid seems like that yeah. too. So I guess there's quite a few options for people and to see what works for them and what doesn't work for them. So Definitely. that's really cool. But yeah, let's shift to talking about periods because periods, I feel like mess everything up and (laughs) women literally have different hormone changes every single day, which is very frustrating, but (laughs) that's the reality of it. Um, I ran like a a couple polls and like questions on my Instagram stories and just asked people what their experience was. And of course I got like a range of different answers, which I think makes it kind of hard because people's experiences are completely different. And the other thing too, I think that would affect it a lot is whether or not you're on birth control, like hormonal birth control or Mm non-hormonal hormonal birth control. Um, so yeah, I mean, the questions that I asked for like how they affect you, I don't think are like super relevant because it does affect everyone different. But um, what's like your personal experience with like periods and hormone fluctuations throughout the month? So I am on a birth control pill. And so I don't know how that affects it because I've been on it since high school, since before I was diagnosed with diabetes. So I haven't had an experience with diabetes on birth control and off of it. I've only known diabetes on birth control, but I experience a lot of insulin resistance leading up to my period. So those like four to five days before I have a lot more high blood sugars, but as soon as it starts, I drop like crazy and I have so many lows. So it's really frustrating because I have five days of a lot of highs followed by five days of a ton of lows, but then every month is totally different at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's so hard to predict. Um, I tried setting up a separate profile on my pump for that time of the month when I get really resistant, which it basically just ups my basal the whole time, but then some days I need it and some days I don't. So it's just so frustrating and so hard to balance. Yeah. I've before and then low as soon as it starts. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like that is such like, that is the hard thing about it is because like you can set up a different basal rate for different times of the month and how they affect you. But like you said, like 
it is different every single month. So then you kind of just yeah. have to like take it as it comes and see what your blood sugar is doing and then change it. Yeah. I just let it go. And I'm like, okay, if I go high, I'll correct. And if I go low, I'll eat something. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to have to wing it every time. Yeah. And do you have like a Dexcom or a CGM? Yes. I have Dexcom and T-Slim. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's helpful too, because at least you can see it all the time and at least kind of know how it's trending for that period of time but yeah and the t-slim with the control iq helps a lot because if i need more it'll automatically adjust and give me that extra insulin that i need and then it'll suspend me if i start to drop so that helps a lot i think when i was on omnipod in the past i had a lot more profiles set up but now with t-slim i'm like i'm just gonna let this pump do its thing i don't know (laughs) yeah that is super nice i have the t-slim as well and i just Got, I just switched from Medtronic to T-Slim within the last like two months, I think is when I got it. Um, and I love it, but I definitely want to get a Dexcom here soon because I've never had a CGM before. So oh, wow. well, hopefully in the future, but I'm kind of like nervous about it too, just because it is like another thing attached to your body. But I just yeah. know how helpful it is because like you said, um, like pairing the two and how it like will suspend or like give a little bit more insulin. That's so helpful to have. Yeah. I took a Dexcom hiatus for a while and I got really frustrated with it. So I was on Libre for a few months and then I wanted to switch to T-Slim and I was like, I guess if I'm going to get it, I'll switch back to Dexcom because, and I'm really glad I did because it's been amazing. Yeah. And that's another nice way too, just like you, cause you can see the graphs each day too. And then you can kind of look at that like throughout the month and see how your hormones are affecting you, at least to some extent. Yeah. It does identify patterns too. So if you have like a pattern of nighttime highs, then I'm like, Oh, then I need to fix something with my nighttime rates. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so for periods, like you were saying, you're on birth control. I was on birth control for like almost 10 years. Cause I got put on birth control when I was in high school because my periods were so bad. Like I would have like the worst cramping. Um, and then I had the same issue that you did. Like I would have the highs, um, right before my period. And then as soon as I was on my period and like, you have the week of not taking the pills or like the week of sugar pills or whatever, um, then I would drop super low throughout that week. And so I like actually talked to, I think it was my gynecologist. It was either my gynecologist or my endocrinologist mm-hmm. about, um, how I was going low. And what they told me is that, um, because birth control, like hormonal birth control pills, um, like it's obviously a hormone that you're taking every single day and it causes insulin resistance. And that's why like a lot of the time when you go on birth control, people gain some weight because like your body has to produce more insulin. And, um, she said that like, when you're off of the pill for a week, like you're obviously not like having those hormones in your body. So then you are more receptive to the insulin. And then that's why you drop low when you're not taking them. Wow. That's crazy. I never thought about it that way, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. When she said that, I was like, that makes so much sense. And I don't know how I never thought of that, but I mean, that's helpful. And it's like, I mean, it's interesting too, because it's like, it's crazy that you have like this autoimmune disorder and you are going to the doctor a lot, but then like things like women's health is, isn't really talked about. Like the only reason that we talked about it is because I asked a question about it. And so 
it's crazy that that's not like more widely known if you're a type 1 diabetic who's going on birth control pill that they like don't tell you that but I don't know I thought that was interesting that is really interesting Mm -hmm. yeah like I said I was on it since before my diabetes so I had no idea what's like off of -hmm. birth control so but I mean for that one week that is crazy yeah I'm thinking about that for so long now (laughs) I know yeah. And I actually, so I looked up more information too on like just hormone levels throughout the month for women and how it affects blood sugar. And I found some information from on track diabetes. Um, and that just talks about like hormone levels. There was actually a graph. I might post it on my Instagram. Maybe I'll post it on my story or like on, um, when I like promote the pot, this podcast episode, I'll put, um, that graph, like on one of the slides, because there was like four different hormones that your body's releasing naturally, like when you're not on birth control throughout the month. And obviously it like fluctuates each day. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to like run through these, but it said, so day one through 10, that's like when you start your period, um, you like, people, so some people might experience, um, like a rise in their blood sugar and some insulin resistance, but like, usually it's like pretty steady. Um, and then like, it usually is like, it usually steadies out like a couple days after, um, your period. And then day 11 through 14 is like the ovulation time. And, that is when your blood sugar usually rises, like in most women. And then it can be somewhat erratic because the hormones are rising a lot. Like there's lots of hormones being released during that time. Um, and then you, like, so usually there's spikes like within like two to three days of like ovulation. Hmm. And then day 15 through 20 is like after ovulation. And usually those are pretty like steady for people. And then day 21 to 28 is the couple days before your period. And um, you're more likely to experience significant insulin resistance. So then that's when people have like usually high blood sugars right before they start their period. Yeah, I guess the hormones are ramping up again right before. So, wow, that's really interesting. And that's cool that they did the study and like notice all those trends. Yeah, I thought so too. And I mean, like I was saying before, I'm sure it's different for everyone. And I feel like that was probably just like the general consensus out of like a lot of women and what they experience. But yeah, it's crazy that like we have such different hormone levels day to day. And that is obviously affecting our blood sugar so much. Yeah. And I feel like when you're diagnosed, like I think we talked about this, the your doctors don't really mention that it can your cycle and everything can affect your blood sugar as much as it did. Oh my goodness. As much as it does. I mean, my endocrinologist and my diabetes educator, they never mentioned any of that to me. The only questions they really asked when I was diagnosed, they were like, are you trying to get pregnant soon? I was like, I'm 21 and in college. No, I'm not. And they were like, okay, well then whenever you want to have kids, you have to tell us first, you can't start trying until we know blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, but there's no, nothing else was discussed regarding how diabetes and women's health can play together. I know. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy because especially like a lot of girls are diagnosed when they're young too. I mean, like I was diagnosed when I was 10. I know I have like a lot of type one friends who were diagnosed in their teen years and 
especially like when you're going through puberty I feel like that's a whole separate conversation I would love to like talk to yeah. about but yeah that's a whole separate thing like when you're starting your period and stuff like that like I've I it's just crazy that like when I was like 12 13 whatever when I started my period like my endocrinologist wasn't like talking to me about how that would affect my diabetes like they kind of were just like and I feel like you're at that age too I mean I don't know because I didn't go through it but I can only imagine knowing how I was at that age if I had diabetes at the time being I would have been so scared and wanted to hide it and not want to talk about it and I would have had a lot of probably conflicting feelings, all that teen angst and and having to deal with period starting and the hormones and diabetes. It just, it has to be so hard for young girls to go through. It's like, Oh yeah. Doctors need to tell them and help them feel like it's okay. It's normal. You're not strange for this. It doesn't make you weird or different. Yeah. I mean, that was like my exact experience, honestly, just like being that young and like having all the misconceptions of diabetes and stuff like that. And then growing up, that was exactly what I went through. Just like not wanting to talk about it, not wanting to hide it. And I feel like that's why I love having this podcast now because like we can have these conversations and like, if there are younger girls listening to it, that like maybe this would help them because we knew nothing about it before. So I feel like I've learned so much from the internet. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) even just like on Instagram and just like hearing like your story too just like you talking about your experience with women's health and stuff like that like is so helpful and I mean I feel like at least we're lucky that we have a diabetic community on Instagram of people to lean on and talk to and stuff like that oh yeah when I was diagnosed and I made my account probably two weeks after I was diagnosed just because I was like I don't know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. I need to figure out and find people who do know what they're doing for the most part and see what's out there. And so I feel like I, the most of what I've learned about diabetes has all come from Instagram and the diabetes community. So, yeah, I mean, that was a smart way to go about it, honestly. Like I didn't even think that I like, honestly didn't really realize that there was so many type one diabetic accounts until I started my account and like saw how many people there were that were doing that. So it's amazing, but It's nice to have other women share their stories and men and just everyone mm-hmm. sharing the things that they've experienced. Yeah, it's super helpful. So thank you so much for being so open about your experiences and just normalizing talking about these subjects and stuff like that. And thank you so much for coming on. The last question I have is where can people find you and follow your journey? So I'm on Instagram at mary.type1. It's the number one, not the word. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad I got to come on and talk about this. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. You know where to find me. I am on Instagram and TikTok at Thriveabetic. And if you enjoyed this episode, It would help me so much if you would leave a rating and review for me on Apple Podcast and or follow me on Spotify. So thanks so much and I will be back next week.